Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined in this off-season, pre-season, post-season by Matt Turumpitz. How's it going, Matt? Are we pre-season or post-season? I think we're transition season. We're definitely, end of last season is done. The new rules have come into effect, but we're not quite close enough to pre-season testing to like really sort of taste it if you know what i mean it's just a faint glimmer on the horizon right now so this is this weird awkward transition all right so when do we say it's pre-season i think it's pre-season when we start seeing liveries that's a good indication isn't it i think i think once you're about two weeks out from pre-season testing it's pre-season until then it's just this weird amorphous blob which i will say i I, do you remember last year where we had we just came up with all this content and this year, I'm noticing there's like a difference in the amount of information that's flowing. And I think it may be pandemic related. The journalists are all at home. Not as many people are traveling. So I don't know about you, but I am finding it a bit more of a challenge sometimes to pry stories out of the internet sphere, as Ooh, it were, well. for us to talk about. Ah, There's definitely loads to talk about. We did have a guest lined up for, for this week who couldn't make it this week, but we've got Quite a few people that you'll be interested in hearing from coming up uh, in what I think will still be an extended off-season. I'm assuming the testing time hasn't changed. So testing kind of indicates the start of the season, but then we're going to have a weird gap then to Bahrain. Yeah, well, because they're testing in the Middle East now, I think, um, to to um, just because I guess Europe's a mess. I don't know. It was simpler. Save the money. Save the save save the ecosphere. There's less carbon emissions involved because it's all going to one place and going to sit there for a while. Wow, because Europe's a mess. Look at America. You've had you've had what? You've had eleven normal days, and you feel like you can lord it over us. Oh, Europe's a mess. Well, I, I just meant in terms of um, there's lots of different restrictions on travel and and different. Different countries have different rules about who can come and go. And the Middle East, uh, not saying it's good or bad, but it does simplify some of those a bit. 
We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed. With the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. And a massive shout out to our patrons, uh, without whom's support, that's definitely not how you say that sentence, without their support, we would not be sitting here doing tons of off-season content for you. Uh, we are sticking with one a week, at least, I think, for the next few weeks, but it is going to ramp up as we get towards the end of February and the start of March. Uh, we've got a friend with us today, not had him on a panel for a while, actually. It's Chris Catman Turner. How's it going, Chris? Good. I'm uh, I'm happy to be off the bench from the uh, the iRacing podcasts and uh, and off the uh, the commentary booth and into the the uh, the panel for once. This is a great uh, great privilege. Yeah, it feels like we only see you in the comms booth for the Mist Apex iRacing because well, I mean, you're the only one of us really who has like a like a proper a career. Job. Yeah, a real job or a career. And I'm so slow, I'd be off the back of the pack, so it'd be pointless me racing, so I might as well talk about it. At least I can <laughs> pretend I know what I'm doing. Well, at least we've got you here. You are Chris Catman Turner. You are a vet, so you spend your time uh, making animals feel better and uh, or occasionally just ending their lives, I suppose. It's the darker side of it. That's a pretty good summary of what I do. We are, we are quite busy at the moment, actually, because uh, people are sitting on their bums at home and going, oh, the cat does look a bit peaky. Maybe I should take him somewhere. <laughs> You'd normally just like ignore the cat. And now you're like, you've got a bit of time to do it. Also, I guess there's a problem with a lot of people like getting lockdown pets that they either don't want or can't care for. Yeah, unfortunately so. And a lot of the rescue centres are seeing a, a lot of uh, kind of six month old pets return to them now, which is such a shame. But uh, make sure you think before you buy a pet. Well, there we go. We've gone off topic already. Uh, Trumpets, you were trying to get in there. Well, I had just had the momentary comic thought that people would be bringing their cat in and say, my cat made a noise last night just so they had an excuse to leave the house. Oh, remember leaving the house. Let's talk about the news in F1. Big Dirty News. Now we're going to talk a little bit about um, some Stefano Dominicali stuff, some Alpha Tauri things. Uh, what else have we got lined up? Some calendar news too, uh, even some relationships with Formula E and McLaren as well. But there's a couple of what I would call, we used to call it fluff, didn't we? I don't know. What did we used to call the sort of less important tidbits we used to call them? We used to have a bumper for it and everything, Matt. But I think I've lost it now. Did we? Yeah, uh, I think we did. My, my memory doesn't go back that far. Sorry. Uh, we have got some short news items. Uh, Catman, the new start time. This has had quite a few column inches because it's the off season. Um, do we care? Do we care that races are now starting on the hour? I mean, the fact that it's been 10 minutes past for the last couple of seasons has saved me a couple of times where I've got the start time wrong and then gone, oh, oh my goodness. But I, I don't know. I liked the 10 past because... For me, the, the cutoff of the program of the race was to sit down on the hour and then you had 10 minutes before it started. Yeah, they, so it was initially put to 10 past so that they could um, have uh, the TV program start at o'clock, have 10 minutes of fluff uh, and then go into the uh, the actual race. But they seem to not care about that anymore, which is a shame. As you said, I quite like the fact they started at 10 past because I could roll out of bed at seven in the morning for the early races and go, oh, I've got 10 minutes extra. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, so what is, do, do we know the reason why they've gone back on that, Matt? Is, there, is it TV companies, I guess? I think it just worked out better for the TV, basically, is what it boils down to. I, I'd have to have an actual look through the article, and I honestly you know, couldn't be bothered in this off-season to sort out the actual uh, 
reason for it. But I believe the original 10 minutes was put there because they started airing all the national anthems. You know, they had that moment of glory for whatever the host country was uh, that sucked up a lot of uh, grid time to produce. And maybe they've just are going to not do that now and just give us the drivers and the people and then the grid and have that at some point when we don't have to actually. Mm. Well, I hate to use the word suffer. People might think that judgmental, but, uh, you know, it mm. might delay our gratification in the motorsports arena a bit extra. But as Mike Stoner pointed out in our Slack group, it does mean that the off season is now 10 minutes shorter, which is great. So the, the season starts 10 minutes earlier. So that's good. Um, Catman, uh, we were, we were discussing whether it would be good or bad for practices, practices to be cut short. And they are now being cut short. So Friday practices, both are an hour. Do we care? I think there's a couple of ways to look at this you know i i really don't mind i think it's one of the things where the the people who are paying to get their their ticket to go see the three days of racing it's a bit of a shame for because uh, you know the more track action they can get the better um but whether it'll make the teams more or less prepared for the start of the race or it'll spark things up i really don't think so that that lack of an hour's running on the actual weekend you know a lot of them is done in the sim now most of it's just tweaking and, and i don't think it'll make a big difference so uh let's see on social media david croft came out uh, and tweeted that he thought it was a good thing and made the point that perhaps there wasn't even going to be any less running because basically the sessions would just be condensed and um, they wouldn't have to uh save their tires or fuel anymore uh, yeah, I would completely take that point of view. I bet you will, if you timed the minute the cars were on track, it probably won't change hardly at all. It just means if I'm lucky, I can get up a half hour later for those uh, practice ones on Friday mm. that started at stupid o'clock for me. So I'm actually against this. I think it's a terrible idea. And I think, I think I'm a little bit angry at people complaining that nothing was happening during Friday practice. Now, we're all very old on this panel. But I get the feeling that uh, oh, those youngins, those youngs uh, who follow like certain other websites have, have kind of tuned in to practice thinking that they're going to see some kind of high octane thrill Catman. But it was never about that. It, Friday practice was always kind of a very test match cricket kind of air. It was like you could put it on. You didn't even have to watch it. It was just on and you had the commentary bathing over you. And there was a skill to commentating and covering Friday practice sessions. And I'll tell you who's best at it. Jack Nichols, Jolian Palmer and Jenny Gao. Just a completely uh, excellent and companion giving couple of hours with some car noises in the background. And that's what practice was about. But the people who were looking at Friday practice and gone, oh, but there's not cars on track all the time. Sometimes there's no cars on track. You've ruined it. You guys have ruined my chilled out Friday practice session, listening sessions. Take it to extreme. You, uh, they did it for testing as well. So when there was days and days of testing and they were broadcast, everybody was like, but there's nobody on track. Nothing's happening. Well, you know, it's, it's not a race. It's they're, they're out there to, to, to sort their setups and do yeah. test new bits. And yeah. as you said, it was just nice to have it on in the background while the cars went by and uh, provide some background music. Well, this is yeah, background listening. It was never meant to be. It was never meant to be like an event. It, it was like a thing where Uber fans, Uber, Uber fans could get something extra and could just bathe in a little bit more F1 content and maybe feel a little bit smug that they had been listening for three hours or watching for three hours and just picked up that little tiny bit of information where they could go, well, actually, uh, th those engine problems were building all weekend, see? 
I don't know trumpets, but now I guess everything's got to be boiled down um, and no doubt there's going to be points for Friday practice at some point. How grumpy old man am I sounding? Uh, you're, you're 10 out of 10 on the grumpy old man scale right now. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, fine. Let's have our, our, our practice sessions on a Friday. But that is not extended to practice three, which I believe is staying at 90 minutes. So that's all good. And I think if they did more to promote the support races... Obviously, it's a bit more difficult at the moment. But if, in general, they did more to promote uh, support races, I I think I would, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more action from FP2, FP3, and, and not sorry, F2, F3, Porsche Super Cup, W Series now joining that roster of support races as well. Maybe I need to turn my attention to those instead of just being so F1-centric. Well, it's not a bad shot to do that. That might have something to do with it. I believe practice three is actually an hour before the chat room gets all over it. But what is really always behind it is every minute the car is on track, it costs money. And as we might talk about later, money is something that the teams are going to be especially concerned about these next couple of seasons, more so than they were this time last year. All right, stupid money. Something, something. Can we not get a Reddit subreddit to to go and like give them more money magically? I hear that's how that's how stock markets work now. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem. We'll just uh, we'll just get F one on Robinhood there, and it'll solve all their problems. What's that? Confused about what we're talking about? Tune in to the latest episode of the Remain Indoors podcast, where we'll explain it all. Catman, they could just short sell some uh, rich energy stock, and you'd be fine. <laughs> that guy's still floating around, <laughs> isn't he? That uh, what's his name? William Story. Uh, he's he's been jumping up and down and keeps trying to make himself relevant. I'm really tempted to like reach out and see if we can get his side of the story because I can't figure out whether he is a showman, genuinely bonkers, or or maybe even possibly slightly evil. It's very hard to tell. Well, the rumor is that he might be. Uh, he, well, he's he kept banding around that he was going to be back on the grid this year, but I can't see anyone daft enough to actually do it. I know who's who needs who needs the rich energy dollars, Matt. I don't know. I was going to go for the bit of both, I, I think. But uh, I, it would be interesting to see someone do a deep dive into how that entire business works. That's all I'm saying. Cool. Well, Not no more. Let's write a letter and see if... Should we write a letter and see if... i tell you what, we'll let you two decide. Should we write a letter and see if he'll come talk to us? Get the inside What do we scoop. have to lose? I do have a can of it behind me, so it does exist. Yeah, with fans. I've got a can. I had a can of it in the fridge for ages, and my wife threw it away because she didn't know what it was, and it had been there for a long time. Okay, uh, a couple of short stories before we get into the more meaty ones. Everyone went went, um, absolutely nuts um, waiting for the first promo shots of Sebastian Vettel in green at um, at Aston Martin. And actually, that's so exciting on so many different levels because we've got Aston Martin, a big brand, coming into it and, and launching themselves as a brand in F1. Also excited to see Sebastian Vettel in a, a new phase of his career uh, and hopefully see him as... I, I don't know, Catman. I'd rather see Vettel as a competitive midfielder who is head of his team. I'd rather see that than see him floundering as a what, what was clearly a number two position at a top team. So I'm kind of looking forward to this phase of uh, Sebastian Vettel, journeyman midfield scrapper. There was nothing worse than seeing him dejected and and just completely trounced by Leclerc. And, you know, this is a a four-time champion, so he's clearly no slouch. And, um, you know, a a genuinely nice guy as well. 
and you know, as you said, I, I, I want to see him scrapping for points and actually uh, showing Stroll who's boss uh, just to see if we can uh, get the old Vettel back. That'd be nice. But, but of course, the internet was not concerned about that, was not concerned about how he looked in his Aston Martin livery. Everyone was talking about his hairline. So I just want to take a moment to, 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 to talk about that because I think it might have been a lot of younger people were shocked that with a shaved head, his hairline was quite short. But I was in the same position as Sebastian Vettel. And assuming that his his residence, his country of residence has similar lockdown restrictions to us, there's no hairdressers open. So when it gets to a particular length, you just shave it off because it's easier. And I hate to break it to any um, 20-year-olds listening, but most people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, if you shave their head, that's kind of the hairline they have. So if you can see me on the video, it looks like I've got a normal amount of hair. When I shaved it to a number one, it looked broadly like Sebastian Vettel's hair, and I'm sure Catman and Trumpets would be in a in a similar position as well. Um, so yeah, so people got very excited about that. But don't worry, he's a dad of three. He he has no benefit from looking attractive or stylish. You've not ruined his chances of pulling in Magaluf. Uh, but it was um, it was interesting to see because it set him up as kind of a, a an older looking driver, and you suddenly go, oh yeah, he is like a stalwart of F1. And uh, yeah, as someone uh, tweeted to me, we should call him Uncle Seb from now on. Or you could put it like this, is that driving for Ferrari for five or six years, uh, you know, that, that could uh, could make you pull your hair out, to be honest with you. Yeah, you could say that if you were cruel. Matt? Well, you know, Mr. Bongers there made the uh, comment that Vettel spinning a new car will be something worth watching. But I'm just oh. going to remind everybody, they're getting that new Mercedes rear suspension. And it might really actually benefit Vettel and his driving style a great deal. So I, I wouldn't make the assumption that uh, the problems that plagued him at Ferrari will necessarily follow him to Aston Racing Ferrari India Point stroll. Yeah. And, and we, may, we may see a, a newly scrappy and rejuvenated Vettel in a car that he feels like he can, he can really drive much more on the limit. So if Sebastian Vettel who has been spinning consistently at Ferrari, consistently on corner exits, uh, getting on the power, it seems like, too early and just dropping the rear. And that's what's been happening to him. All those mistakes, like at Monza, you know, the same time when Stroll also had his really weird rejoin, uh, where it just looked like a nothing acceleration and then the rear end went. It happened to him at Bahrain as well, I think, going wheel to wheel with with Lewis Hamilton. And that wasn't happening at Red Bull. And it it was happening consistently at Ferrari and it robbed him of probably the 2018 title, maybe the 2017 title. If he goes to Aston Martin and never does that again, he's kind of off the hook, I feel, because you've changed one variable. I know it's a lot of variables, but I feel like we almost collectively owe him an apology if he goes to Aston Martin and his rear end is just super planted for the next few years. Yeah, well, I recall making the argument at the time that I just felt like, first of all, in order to be competitive with the Mercedes, I felt like he was driving farther into his margin on the Ferrari than Hamilton was on the Mercedes because race pace is a different speed than qualifying pace. But I, I felt like he was much closer to the absolute limit of that car in order to get it to keep up with the Mercedes. And you can agree or disagree with that. And you'll probably disagree because that's what we normally do here. I agree. But the counter argument is you're supposed to drive to the car you have. So that is also part of being a driver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was trying to take advantage of the margin he did to be more competitive. But also, I'm recalling uh, our conversation with Stuart Mitchell of Racecar Engineering talking about driver resolution 
but also talking about how aerodynamics specifically in yaw have been very problematic because they're they're binary they're on or they're off there's not a transition as a driver that that you can feel and catch they work until they don't and when they don't work your car's going spinny spin spin so we're in a whatsapp group with Stuart mitchell and he's been just blowing my mind every time he pops in with a little tidbit uh, we need to get him on the show more because he's just uh he's got an actual kind of hands-on mechanical engineering experience i think like some is very different kind of uh, uh approach to tech journalism very experienced in tech journalism can can kind of read the waves and the tides of tech trends and stuff um but what stuart's bringing to us and unless he's just talking in such gobbledygook that he's wrong and we're just too stupid to understand uh but he really has kind of just made me go oh right okay i'm starting to understand now what is going on with the mechanics of of a car under various pressures. It's been a fascinating different angle. It has been, and it's been delightful, especially because he, he focuses more, uh, a lot more on the mechanical side and on the engine side. He has a lot of really interesting knowledge there. Plus some of the driver stuff, particularly the driver resolution, has really been fascinating to learn about. Yeah, it certainly has. Right. Uh, I'm a little bit lost to where we were. Oh, yeah, that's right. So Sebastian Vettel um, having to go deeper and having less space to play with the driver resolution envelope, if you like, in that Ferrari. So will be interesting. And I, and I don't think we're going to have to wait long uh, for it to be answered. So, you know, if we get to Bahrain and he drops it under under acceleration again, you just go, oh, yeah, it was him. I've got a suspicion um, that whilst he'll be further down the pack than he might have been in a 2017 Ferrari, uh, at least he'll be pushing and driving forward from the position he's in. So I'm looking forward to that. And And goodness, how have I become... A Vettel sympathizer. How the tides turn. Years of nagging. I don't know. I I just am. Like he's just he's infectiously likable, and um, and despite seeing him as a sporting rival because he's been against the people I've been a fan of, I can't help but like and respect the guy. And um, and and anyway, his hair might grow back. Miracles happen. Lewis Hamilton's hair grew back. That's all right. Maybe he just needs a couple more titles, and it'll grow back. So it'll be okay. Uh, right, okay, last tidbit from me before we get into some media news items. Uh, this is a story that popped up on um, on the BBC website in just in the last sort of 10 minutes, and it's Eddie Jordan says a thing. So I was like, oh, yeah, I have to click that, don't I? Um, Mercedes F1 domination, a problem, says Eddie Jordan. And, um, and like all titles, it's slightly clickbaity, but it's a, it's a decent article on the BBC Sports page. And normally I always feel like... Yeah, Eddie Jordan's going to come up and say something negative about Hamilton. So I always kind of have my hackles up uh, as a Hamilton fan. But he's talking about the contract negotiations and Mercedes domination. So uh, to start with, the contract negotiations, he's got quite a, a good take on it where he's defending Hamilton's position. So he thinks that perhaps, um, in fact, we should credit who he was talking to. He was talking on this Sporting Life podcast and he was describing Lewis Hamilton, if I'll just say the quote, Lewis Hamilton is the jewel in the crown. He's the one every TV station wants to interview. Mercedes are probably saying uh, a lot of this is to do with the car. We've given him the best car. Therefore, he's a champion. Um, However, says Jordan, I love how they always do the age. However, says Jordan, 72, uh, if they think they can replace Lewis Hamilton with another driver and have the same element of success, then I think they're deluded. Uh, The one thing for sure uh, to say is that Mercedes and Toto Wolff will not be easily deluded. Wolf is a smart guy. He knows exactly the value of Hamilton. And I think they will sit down and come to a good solution because the world of F1 needs Lewis Hamilton in it. Now, come on, I, I get the feeling with Eddie Jordan that he often says 
like not anti Lewis Hamilton things, but like dampens down the Lewis Hamilton stuff. To to he's a showman, isn't he? He likes saying things for attention and flair. That's not unfair. Um, but that's actually like to hear him just come out and go, "No, F one needs Lewis Hamilton." Yeah, I think Eddie Jordan uh, says enough stuff that if you throw enough things at a wall, some of it will okay. stick. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, I agree. He he tends to take a, a very quite a controversial uh, topic and and go even more with it sometimes. But yeah, I think he's he's kind of read the room right this time. That as you say, I, I think Lewis Hamilton is, is the the main man at the moment, and especially with all of the other things that he's getting involved with at the moment, all the the BLM stuff and all the eco stuff, the veganism thing, you know, he's, he's actually striking a chord with a lot of uh, young people. And I think that's really important. That's what uh, F1 needs. He doesn't mm. need uh, the old guys like us. He needs, uh, <laughs> needs young hip people. But hip is not a word that I should be using, is it? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, cool people, even better. So the, the, the argument is, I guess, that you say Hamilton, although I guess he's a good driver, the, um, that there's some value to Mercedes and F1 of having the champ, the big ticket guy still in Formula One. And certainly like listening to Domina Carly and even John Tott actually making comments, there does certainly seem to be a will to keep Lewis Hamilton in Formula One. He's not going to be there forever. Don't worry. He's not going to be there forever. But at the moment, you know, he's the champ and every sport needs their champ. Their Mike Tyson, their uh, Anthony uh, who's the big boxer guy now? And Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua. Yeah, Anthony. Yeah. You you need your Anthony Joshua. You need your um, Conor McGregor in Ultimate Fighting. And at the moment in F one, that's that's Lewis Hamilton. It was Vettel. It was Schumacher. Now it's Lewis Hamilton. Well, we all know what happened to uh, to Toto a few years ago when their champion just decided to ditch them after Christmas when he decided he'd had enough. Mm. Um, and that that would have been a big problem for Formula One because they didn't have that marketable guy in Formula One the following season. You know, the guy who beat Lewis Hamilton. Oh, he's uh, off having oh, a family yeah. and he's he's bored. So you know, well, he's I not bored. It's... I think he I think he pulled a blinder there. To be honest, go out. No, <laughs> go on. I no, I, I I this is I've said this before. I think Nico Rosberg is a very fast, very good driver. But compared to Lewis Hamilton, on average, he was going to win one in seven, one in ten championships against Lewis Hamilton. And it fell after four. Was it four? Was it the fourth one where he won? Well, that's good. That's a win. You've beaten the odds. So go go for it. Leave. I think he did, he did absolutely the right thing. If Hamilton had then gone and trounced him for the next three seasons, he'd have gone, well, yeah, it's just, it was just down to, yeah, down to chance, you know. You know, uh, you know that, that was just the odds of rolling a six, if you like. So, uh, yeah, I, I condone his decision. That was a great, great, great shout from him. The other thing Eddie Jordan said, <laughs> it's not just the things Eddie Jordan said episode. Uh, you were talking about Mercedes domination being a, a problem um, and cited it, the, the stats. And I looked at these stats. The first thing that, that struck me was there was only 17 Grand Prix last year. I didn't really think about it, but it felt like it was a really busy season. So to actually just kind of go, oh, no, there was only 17 races. I mean, OK, good. Well, that's like the olden days. There was lots of olden day seasons that had 17 races. Mercedes finished first in 13 of those 17 Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton won 11 of the 16 races that he started. And this is being described as domination. But is it really domination? So I, I went and I, I did the Googles. I did the internets, Catman. So shall I do my internets first? Yeah, go for it. And, and, and point out, here we go. So I found a Daily Mirror article from 2014 which is basically the before time, pre-Mercedes. Pre and it just listed the 11 most dominated seasons. So I'll just run through them. 
quickly and uh, let's see how uh, this season hang on let's go back what was the mercedes one 13 of 17 grand prix they won mclaren honda 1988 15 out of 16 oh yeah yeah there you go uh ferrari 2002 oh god worst era of f1 seven 15 out of 17 races so 82 percent there ferrari 2004 15 out of 18 races and i like that it's a comparable amount of races here as well Red Bull 2013, oh my goodness. That was only 13 out of 19 races, but it was worse because after Silverstone, they changed the tyres. And then not only did they win every race after that, they also won them like by 20, 30 seconds. They would just build a pit gap and just sit there. Uh, McLaren Porsche, uh, 1984, 12 out of 16 races. Williams Renault, 1996, 12 out of 16 races. Red Bull 2011, 12 out of 19. So that wasn't that dominant, I guess. Uh, Benetton 1995, I didn't realise it was as high as that. 11 out of 17. Uh, McLaren, 19, uh, 10 out of 16 in 1989. Williams, 10 out of 16 in 1992. And uh, Williams, 1993, 10 out of 16. So really, the last season with Mercedes kind of falls in the middle of those seasons, Matt. Yes, but by uh, restricting it to the last season you might be overlooking <laughs> some of the larger point that is being made by people who are making points like that. You're not incorrect there. You can go back and find single year dominations that put Mer- what Mercedes did last year, you know, put puts it, you know, easily 10, 11, 12, 13 down the list. But Mercedes has effectively dominated this entire era of regulations as did Red Bull. Yeah. Before it. And I think that is the if you're going to be concerned about something, be concerned about the fact that someone with a head start can then dominate an entire era of regulations. That's what needs to be sorted out. Yeah. And the interesting thing as well is that you you get to in those highest percentage wins in a season kind of league tables, you've got um the ones from the 50s also jumping in there because they were such short seasons it was eight races for ferrari in 1952 and they won seven of them so they go very high up so uh, the problem is as you start getting towards kind of modern era formula one you notice every single season that spanners mentioned was 88 through to now the 60s and 70s are the the glory days that people seem to refer back to but what they what they don't mention in the domination statistics is how far ahead the winning car was and how many of them were left at the end of the race and whether it was actually an interesting race to watch yes, or not. That's and a, I would yeah, that's a good point. I would say that 2014, 2016 were some of the most interesting seasons to watch in my entire watching career. And 2016, the one you were mentioning, uh Mercedes won ninety percent of the races in that year. It was the second most dominant season uh, of all. So it doesn't tell a full picture. No, it doesn't, does it? And like some of the Schumacher years, even though only two were mentioned there, which was the two thousand and two Ferrari, two thousand and four Ferrari. Oh, and the the Benetton as well. It doesn't get across that sometimes he was winning by like fifty seconds, you know, easily. And if the other guy in the same car was winning, he would just hand it over to Schumacher to win anyway. So it was unfortunately never even, you know, I'd say in 2014 and 16, when you had the two guys in the same car, at least they were at each other's throats. Whereas at that series, there wasn't anything at all at Ferrari. Now, someone remind me of which race this was. It was Murray Walker commentating. It was Michael Schumacher was in a Ferrari and he'd had to make a pit stop for some reason, like an extra pit stop. 
and Murray Walker made a really, really big deal of like, uh, oh, uh, Mark Shoe, if he's going to come back from this, he's going to have to do uh, 27 qualifying laps. That's nearly impossible. And it really like built up the drama and it worked. And as you watch that gap close, you're going, oh, my goodness, this is a superhuman effort. But actually, the car was that was just the pace of the car. So someone, if they can remember what race that was, um, remind me. But basically, Schumacher having to take an extra pit stop or two or being stuck in the pits, it wasn't even a hindrance for him. That's the level of domination they had there. Uh, and I suppose you could argue that Mercedes had that kind of domination in like 2015, 2016 as well, Matt. I think, yeah. But then I'm scuppering my own point, aren't I? So let's back out of that. Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, you're not wrong to point out that every era has its dominant team and that the only real problem with the team being dominant is is a marketing problem. It's an optical problem because the sport has always kind of been that way. So anyone who makes that point is just, you know, saying F1 is F1. F1 is F1. And it has certainly always been that way uh, you know, since I've since I've been watching it. There always has been that, that, that team that, that disappears into the distance and there's always that, breath holding moment at the beginning of like qualifying for the first race where you go which team is it you all pre-season you're going you know oh one of my favorite drivers is there one of my favorite drivers is there their teams are they gonna be oh no they're terrible uh oh no schumacher again is ferrari oh it is hamilton again so that's one of the joys of f1 is just that it's a really exciting moment and i you know remember in 2016 i think it was martin brundle could, could not hide his horror the Mercedes were a second clear in the first one of Q3. And he's like, oh, my, oh, they're really fast again. Oh, no. And then sort of checked himself. Uh, but, yeah. All right, cool. Let's move on to um, your news item, Matt. You want to talk about the new boss of Formula One, uh, Stefano Domenicali, who seems by all intents and purposes, like I am standing him. I liked him as a Ferrari boss. Only Ferrari boss uh, I've, I've liked. Um, but... Uh, I just get this real sense that he's nice and cool and genuine. And I'm I'm so excited. I'm setting myself up for disappointment. But I just feel like with him at the helm, we might get some of the things we've always wanted from F1. Yeah, he. a lot of people posited he was a very good choice to succeed Kerry in this role. He's got wide industry connections, not just Formula One connections, but across the entire industry he's done stuff for audi he's been head of the fia single seaters he's done a lot of things and he came out thankfully for all the journalists who are desperate for his story did a big interview with sky and he's then there have been some pronouncements and one of the ones that i'm going to talk about first is one of formula one's favorite stalking horses which is new manufacturers yeah he said that he's had discussions with manufacturers they don't want to be named they want to stay quiet um but that there is some interest especially once we get on to the new once we get onto the new engine regulations which are now set to come in 2026 but might show up in 2025 but that he felt that and i think this is this is an interesting thing is that essentially he's dividing it into sort of your old school original equipment manufacturers and sort of these new sort of mobility uh original equipment manufacturers and saying that if I'm an old school car manufacturer, I need to present a fresh face and formula one offers that. I mean, look at what it's done for Mercedes. That's and so he thinks he may be able to tempt some new teams and manufacturers into the sport Mm. once we get to the new regulation sets, but that there's, there's some real interest out there. 
but interest doesn't mean action. And, you know, we have to cast our minds back to like 2011, 2012 with the talk of Mercedes coming in. We weren't going, oh, here comes the Death Star. No one was thinking that. It was it was about the same Catman, wasn't it, as like BMW. It's like, oh, BMW coming in. That's another team. Like, oh, Mercedes is coming in. I don't think there were many people who were saying, right, they're going to come in and dominate the sport for eight seasons in a row. No, absolutely. And the you talk about BMW and Toyota, don't forget, at the time as well. They they all came in and had high hopes of of dominating the sport themselves. But the problem is, as soon as they don't get the results they want, the the, the discussions at board level are very different. You know, Mercedes are quite happy to stay in while they are dominant and while they are the top dogs. But as soon as, you know, that, that goes, say if the regulations change and they become a midfield team, how long do you think they would uh, they would stay? Well, you only have to look at Renault, really, don't you? And just go, well, they've been having those discussions at board level. And I, I imagine, obviously, we're not privy to boardroom conversations, but I imagine there's like big back and forths between Renault car and Renault F1 with Renault F1 going, no, we can succeed. This is worth it. Well, they didn't and they've gone. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's that. But no, I'm sorry. You cannot pretend that Renault has gone <laughs> when a brand they are trying to flog, Alpine, is now there in no, its, its place. And there different. is still a Renault Motorsports. I, 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 like, I appreciate you trying to make that very clever point, but I shall not let you get away with it. No, when Mercedes came in, they did not dominate the sport. They took well, over from Braun. They had some good results off and on, but they weren't winners. They weren't winners till the regulations changed. Well, they won a race and, in 2013. But but they, they they took over from from Braun right Braun was yeah. only in for a year and then it became Mercedes. How many years did they go with one race win? They okay. didn't bail. And you've got Honda as well. Don't forget because they've obviously been a uh, engine manufacturer for a while and they just actually they're leaving as they're on the ascendancy, which is quite frustrating. I think for for Red Bull and everybody else actually, there was a glimmer of hope that we might get uh, an engine that could rival the Mercedes. Well, actually, Honda's a great example of what we've been talking about because they did pull out as a manufacturer in two thousand and eight as well. So you can imagine the conversations they were having about the value of having a Honda F one team. And if I could cast my mind back, I could probably remember some of the reasons. That, that Honda left the sport, but they stayed in as an engine manufacturer. But that Braun team was, I'm sure it's too simplistic to say, it was essentially Honda, and they just, and it was yep. a rebadged Honda, like a lot of the work had been done for that season already. They got a Mercedes engine in it because Honda didn't do the engine deal, but the entire rest of the car, including the double diffuser, was 100% Honda's development, is what I recall. Yep, and they only just managed to shoehorn a Mercedes engine in it because it was designed around the Honda power plant, and then they just took it away and they went, oh, what will fit? <laughs> Get a Mercedes in it. Um, but it, I think the sticking point for Dominicali when he's talking about getting new manufacturers into F1 is all these periods we've talked about did not have these hybrid engines, and these hybrid engines are massive, complicated, and expensive. So when we say a manufacturer, if we want to attract BMW in, or Peugeot or something like that, they're going to want to come in with their engine because they look kind of dumb if they go, okay, well, we're, we're going to come in, but we're going to use a Mercedes engine. It's, it's difficult now with these hybrid engines. It's too hard to make an engine, and it's such an engine formula now. Well, you're correct. The expense, cost, and complexity, which Honda's late joining of the regulations as a manufacturer demonstrate abundantly, 
means that the upfront investment to be competitive is more than it's worth. And again, this is an issue where as an engine manufacturer, which Honda did not have a team, they only have a manufacturer, they get very limited marketing out of Formula One relative to Mercedes, which has both a team and makes engines. So, so they're losing out on all these sides as a manufacturer. The engines themselves are exactly what the current manufacturers need. And in terms of road relevance, no, they're probably too complex and easily breakable to put into an actual road car or most road cars, because we'll see them in a few very high-end sports cars. But what they do do is they push the thermal efficiency of the engine so far north of 50% that manufacturers really are looking for a combustion engine, I believe, to a hybrid combustion engine to bridge the gap between what we've got now and where we're going to have to be in another 10 or 15 years. Yeah, they are doing a very good job of uh, milking a very old technology to uh, to actually you know, get the last out of the petrol before we go to electric. Um, but I do believe we're going to come on to that later. I was going to have a look at the... So if you look at the top 10 number of teams that have started races, so the, the total races they've started, how many manufacturers or like OEMs do you think are in that top 10? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't sneakily make this into a quiz. And me and Matt, are, <laughs> me and Matt are humiliated enough at home. Uh, what the, the question? How many OEMs? Explain the term OEM, please. Uh, original equipment manufacturers. Okay. Uh, so things like Ferrari, for example, um, compared to privateer teams like Williams. Um, so how many of the top ten in total number of races started? Mm-hmm. Do you think what are OEMs? From OEMs? Ten. Nope. Two. Oh. oh. Only two. The rest of them are privateers. So you have got McLaren. Sauber, Tyrrell, Minardi, for example, <laughs> those sorts of teams are up there. So the point I was making is about the longevity of the manufacturers that they come and go as they please, whereas the privateers who are in it for racing are usually still about. Yeah, that's a good point, Matt, but there's no route for a new privateer to come in to F1. Haas was the last one. Before that, all those three teams before that are gone by the wayside. Yeah, although they, they really did get a raw deal because... Yeah. At- at the time they were brought in, they were promised a spending cap that never materialized. And so they got stomped and ground into dust. They can all come back then because it's coming in now. Oh, Marusha. It's already here. Marusha for 2022. All right, great. Yeah, well, we could get Graham Loudon back. He was, um, he was quite the good team principal, I thought. But to, to move this discussion on a little bit and talking about the new manufacturers, one of the points he made kind of struck me and that was he stressed the importance of engaging new forms of media. Now, this sounds a lot like Liberty speak, but he said he said that the younger generation is multi-connected and they need to offer a multi-program that's going to appeal to them if Formula One is going to continue to be a relevant sport and relevant for marketing and for the car companies. And we're not going to, because... All the other companies that supported the privateer teams with their huge tobacco dollars. Yeah. That's gone. The only people who are going to spend that kind of money now are people who are actually making cars. And I think this is sort of the devil's bargain right now that Formula One is trying to sort out. Never mind the economics of a global pandemic, uh, you know, sprinkled on top just for giggles. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It at least seems like uh, Domenicali is thinking about all this stuff and Liberty is thinking about all this stuff. They're being very proactive. I won't linger on it, but um, you've you've put in the notes as well that uh, Domenicali shows no signs of shying away from F1's recent drive towards uh, diversity and addressing social issues. So I'm afraid those of you that are very uh, triggered and offended by the drive for diversity are going to continue to be be triggered and offended because it it doesn't look like that's going away, Matt. So without dwelling on it, good. (laughs) I just, good. That's, That's all I wanted to say, good. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting thing. I think uh, as a corporation, if you try to do something like that, you are um, you're going to get it from both directions. There's people who don't want to hear it yeah. will be angry at you for putting it out there, and people there will be plenty of people who are like, not "It's enough. all just yeah. greenwashing or race washing. Yeah. You're not going nearly far enough. It's just a cosmetic effort trying to get out of trouble with the people who should really be holding you to account." But it's nice to see him affirm that and be on the side and especially be positive about the drivers using their own social platform within formula one to move this message forward and it's not just hamilton lots of drivers have used their platform for social issues as well sebastian vettel has been a great champion for forgive me if i get this wrong lb uh, l l LBTGQ. Yeah, so I yeah. got there. I got there. Um, he's been a great champion for that. And for, uh, we race as one, racing with his helmet, uh, with his rainbow helmet, etc. Um, also, Lando Norris has been a, a great driver for addressing mental health issues as well. And look, people like me, well-meaning 40-year-olds who can't string together five uh, five letters together to show support for, you know, diversity of uh, sexual orientations and, and, and different gender norms, for example. Uh, I need that. I need someone to bring those attentions to me so I can be nice out loud. <laughs> so thank you, Sebastian Vettel, for doing that. Lando Norris, mental health issues also. It's not just Lewis Hamilton. Uh, people get very hung up on him fighting those BLM issues. Sorry, Catman, you had a point on this. No, I was just going to say, as long as they uh, they actually apply 
their logical thinking to everybody and across the board, then that's fine. You know, they, they invest, I'm sure we've covered this before, but they investigate Lewis Hamilton for wearing a t-shirt on the podium ceremony with a, a message on it. But then, you know, there are other issues that may be affecting this season that they haven't uh, done anything about publicly. Uh, so, you know, as I said, I don't want to get into those because that's a whole show in itself. He means Mazepin, but anyway, Matt. Or, or, uh, you know, uh, the Mongolian embassy being up in arms about certain comments yeah. as well. Yeah. But I believe, and I may be, my family accuses me of being this way sometimes. I may be being a bit nitpicky here, but was it the FIA or Formula One that, that was investigating the T-shirt? Because Domenicali is Formula One, which is a FOM group. FIA, that's Jean Todd, and that's an entirely different animal, although they do talk a lot. All right, let's get off of this train, because, uh, do you know what? Send me the email. Spannersready at gmail.com. I don't mind. Podcast at gmail.com as well. Um, or mattpt55 at gmail.com. We don't mind hearing from you. All we ask is just keep it respectful. In the YouTube comments as well, disagree, but you don't have to say, I disagree with you and you're a terrible human being. I hope you burn. You can just say, oh, I disagree with you because of this reason. Let's just try and keep it respectful. Hello to our live chat room. If you want to join the live chat room, just search for Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube. Subscribe, click the bell. You'll get a notification when we go live. And you can join us like David, Yelmer, Martin, Tony, uh, Dejotma, Ambrose, and uh, currently... 322 people joining us live in the chat room 900 people have dropped in so far in this stream session during the actual race season for a race review we sometimes have nearly a thousand concurrent people and it's the most vibrant wonderful chat experience i've ever seen and uh, i have to say i i click end stream and i am buzzing i'm on a high i rarely get to bed before one or two o'clock on a sunday night because of the energy that the chat room brings as well. Uh, if you want to support us and encourage the kind of thing we're doing here, you can go to patreon.com forward slash missed apex, patreon.com forward slash missed apex. We've got a few tiers, $1 to make sure that you catch all the streams. If we do some patron only streams, all those $1 people and above, will get the link to those streams emailed to them. $2 means you get an ad free feed in your podcast player. You get your own feed. Um, we are ad supported as well, but you can remove that with $2 a month. That's 33p a show in the uh, the regular season. Sorry, 33 cents a show. Uh, sorry, I'll convert that for the US audience. Uh, and for $5, you can join us in the Slack group and get our extra, extra Patreon-only uh, podcasts that we do too. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. All right, let's have a row. You up for a scrap, boys? You up for an argument? They've put their thumbs up. Audio yep, medium. absolutely 100 percent um are we going to argue about the things that i put on the notes next or are you just going somewhere else oh well someone asked us a question I, we asked for questions Ooh. in the slack group and uh daryl uh joji said your ranking of teams based solely on driver lineups oh now then this is why i asked are we pre-season or post-season so are we talking about 2020 lineups or 2021 lineups uh, go 21. Got to be 21. Let's go 2021 20, lineups. Okay, then. Who's... I'll get straight in there. You've got to get McLaren at the top with Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. I love that Now lineup. then, that's an interesting. So, obviously, it's a combined score for these driver lineups, Catman. And you're, you're rating Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo as the best lineup in Formula One. So, that's a good 
and I think bold claim to, to kick this discussion off with because I would say, all right then, for argument's sake, I would say Lewis Hamilton is on top of his game more than both those drivers at the moment. So what that means to me is you're putting Valtteri Bottas very much lower than Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. Yep, I think I would do that. I, you know, Bottas, whatever iteration we're on right now, I, I think he's on a on a, a big slump, and you know, just shown by, you know, what George could do in the car uh, from from one, you know, day in running. Essentially, I think uh, Bottas is 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 a great driver. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's on top of his game. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, I think, will be energized from going to McLaren, and you know, on in his day back in that Red Bull, you know, he took what was it, ten wins. In that Red Bull, which was nowhere near uh, the the might of the Mercedes, admittedly, he probably took most of those wins uh, on circuits where it suited the Red Bull's traits more than the Mercedes. But I think um, before the arrival of uh, Max, uh, where the the team somewhat soured against him, I think he was genuinely regarded as a a somebody who could take the fight to Hamilton on his day. Now, it depends on your view on his fights since then with people like uh, Ocon, uh, Ocon, for example, uh, as to how well he's shone there. Uh, but I think, you know, if you, if you get a driver in the right environment with a supportive team, and don't forget that McLaren has got Mercedes engines now, I think they could make a real step forward. I want to defend Bottas for a second there because you, you said, you know, you basically painted the picture that, that George Russell came in and bossed him around. I just, I just don't think that's the case. He looked faster in practice. He out-qualified him. Just George Russell did a great job, no doubt. Uh, Bottas lost it on lap one, turn one, which he's done many, many times against Hamilton. Like Hamilton does not look upset when he doesn't get pole. Why doesn't he look upset? Because he knows he can get Bottas on, on lap one a lot of the times. And he knows, Hamilton knows as well, that he's got an edge on tyre wear in the first stint also. So he's got a massive weapon against Bottas too. So I, I'm not going to write off Bottas because George Russell, Russell came in and, and did him on, on lap one. Uh, Bottas has got some lap one issues and some, some wheel-to-wheel fighting issues to kind of sort out. Yeah, that's fair enough. But um, yeah, I, I think he's... He's had a few years now of being dejected and, and beaten. He's certainly no Rosberg. We'll put it like that. Matt. All right. So you're going to love this. But based on the only actual data that we have last season, the closest driver pairings, and that's what I'm using as my basis of judgment, the two drivers that will be closest to each other and therefore be getting the most out of the car throughout the season. There were two of them. It was Norris and Sainz, and it was Ocon and Ricciardo. So I have to agree with Catman. I do believe the Ricciardo-Norris pairing is going to be awesome, but I'm going to have to chuck in Mm -hmm. Sainz and Leclerc because I think you're going to see that being tighter than a lot of people might think. And finally, Mm. let us not forget, and I think this will be the third, and pe- people will be surprised at my next choice. But I'm going to go with Verstappen and Perez as being third because I think he will be putting that car closer than Albon was and closer than anyone's been for quite some time, even though I do see Verstappen winning the quality battle and maybe being a bit farther ahead of him than those other two pairings. Definitely in the live chat, we had a couple of votes for uh, Perez and Verstappen as well. And I-, I think that is an absolutely monumental 
shout. I'm not biased. No, you're biased. No, you shut up. Uh, but uh, um, with your your Ferrari lineup, I, I, I've got a, a slightly different take on it. Is in that I don't think Leclerc is as good now as his results against Vettel are making it seem. It was a very kind of down on their their luck Ferrari. Uh, we weren't having seeing him having to really kind of push up at the top end. And in fact, when we did, you know, we saw him make a mistake in Istanbul to let Perez get second place. And I think he lost out on the podium entirely there. I don't think this is the finished Charles Leclerc. So if Signs, I know there's Signs fans listening, if Signs does well against Leclerc. In, in the 2021 series, don't get too excited because I don't think this is the finished form of, of Leclerc yet. And that would be my only caveat on the Ferrari uh, pairing, Catman. Yeah, you could almost go as far as to say that science is on top of his game. You know, he has been... Yeah, yeah, he's know, peak the head of the midfield. Yeah, yeah, peak signs. Do you think Pete signs beats slightly under-mature Leclerc this year? I think it could be very close. I, I'm going to put my money and say that science beats Leclerc. Oh no! Wow. Okay, that's that's an interesting take. No, my money is absolutely the the Leclerc, not Peak Leclerc beats Peak Signs. We need to dis- we need to right now say: Are we talking about qualifying? Are we talking about total race points over the years? Like, what are we talking about? Points, here? baby. There's... It's points. It's points. And uh, I don't mind a little bit of like you know League of Justice. You know, if a pigeon comes through the air duct and blows their car up, uh, I'm happy to take that into account. Qualifying, yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. Qualifying is important. But it's where you finish. It's your results at the end of the day. In that case, I'm definitely over science. Uh, you know, I think he's he's going to do it this year. Oh, that is, that is quite an interesting take, that. Um, but let's uh, turn our attention to that Red Bull pairing. I mean, are, are we in agreement? I think most people are in agreement that, that Red Bull Verstappen as a combination is a sleeping giant and that at some point they're going to explode and be ferocious and be this incredible force. Uh, F1, destiny and law almost demands a Red Bull Verstappen at least challenge. So if you if you give a, a driver that is probably one of the highest rated drivers of 2020, everyone has finally been raving about Sergio Perez. And I will, and I did, remind Joe that in 2018... When I was talking about being a Perez fan, he literally said on one of the podcasts, he said, he went, why? <laughs> As if it was like a stupid thing to be a Perez fan. And everyone like stands Perez now. Um, I don't know, Matt, that, that, that combination, it, it does feel irresistible. And I, I don't see how Catman's McLaren pairing is better than that. Well, again, it relies on slightly different things. But if Ricardo Ocon are, were close last year on the numbers, as close as Sainz and Norris were, then it's not unreasonable to expect that Ricardo Norris will also be at the sharp end of getting the absolute most out of that car that can be gotten out of it. Now, I know here we were talking about qualifying for my numbers, and now you've gone on to talk about race points. That might make it a little bit different. But Norris had a a fair number of awfully good races, and I don't think he will... I don't think that Ricardo being there will be detrimental to him. I think he will be learning from Ricardo. And I think, uh, again, I I expect it to be a close and well-fought battle. Although I would give the nod to Ricardo once he settles into the car. I, you know, going back to to Perez, because I know Spanners wants to talk about Perez. Um, You know, if Perez can put it forth every time and keep it within that pit stop window, 
every time he has done the job for Red Bull because that's all they need. They need somebody to be able to take away the strategic battle from, or rather, the strategic upper hand from Mercedes of having two cars in that fight. So everyone's assuming that Perez is leaving Red Bull at the end of the season. And I, I just don't think it's a done deal, Catman. Like you're, you're, is that an agreeing shake of the head? Yeah, absolutely. Now, Perez said, oh, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back in 2022. I have options. That's when he that didn't was, have a contract. That, yeah. Yeah, that was just bluster. You know, now he's like, oh, hi, Red Bull. Uh, no, I'm free. Totally free next year if you want to keep me. Absolutely. So Albon is officially still the, um, the reserve and test driver for Red Bull. And uh, I noted that there was a they were offering like a live audience, like a live Zoom call. You could pay 50 pounds and join a Zoom call and you would be on the call with Christian Horner, Sergio Perez, Max Verstappen and Alex Albon for a deep dive and anecdotes about the 2020 season. And you sit there thinking, well, that's fun for Alex Albon. Uh, But he's still very much in the mix with Red Bull, even though he was driving. He's going to be driving in DTM. He was still the Red Bull driver for the Formula One esports event that was on earlier this evening. And although, you know, you say, oh, esports, who cares? Uh, that is still from a branding point of view, very much Alex Albon being a Red Bull brand ambassador. So I, I think it's up in the air. I think 2022, you could see Perez in the car. You could see Albon in the car. You could still see Gasly in the car. I think I don't think any of those options are, are gone. I think the only the only justifiable option is Perez gets anywhere near the pace would be to keep him uh, until one of their uh, young drivers like Sonoda comes along and blows the world apart. And then you're good. Yeah, I couldn't disagree. You know, in the chat, Tony Hawk asked the very interesting question, who would make the dream team then not just both fastest, but work best with each other? And that's kind of an interesting twist. And I was curious if either of you had any yeah, yeah. thoughts on it. Yep. Well, I think I've said I've seen I've said it the last few weeks is as a team boss, I would always have like a very, very clear number one, number two structure, unless uh, it was Mercedes 2014, 2015 type scenario. But uh, I would absolutely I would have the driver in his prime, uh, in his peak, who is our champion going forward. And you'd either have an old hand like a journeyman driver on a Perez type contract where you say, right, you're here to do the job. Uh, you're a utility player. There may be some glory, but mostly, you know, here's a bunch of cash, do the best job you can. Uh, or like a real young buck, you're here to learn. And when we tell you where your place is, you will damn well know where it is. Catman, what would you do as an F1 team boss? I think it depends on if you're at the sharp end of the grid or if you're in the <laughs> yeah, middle. True. All right, middle. If you're in the middle, you want two people who are fighting so that they can get the best out of each other. Like you had with Carlos and Lando last year. No, they absolutely brought the best out of each other. Uh, If you're at the front end of the grid, you want a Hamilton Bottas situation. You don't want them fighting. You want them pushing each other. Minor distinction from a semantic point of view. Yeah. Uh, But if I'm thinking about the combinations on the actual grid right now, who comes closest to that? And I don't know. You're going to laugh at me, but it might be Vettel Stroll. No, no, I'm not laughing. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I think um, I think the Stroll family uh, and Aston Martin are smart enough to realise that that Lance Stroll, although I believe and have called for the last three years that he's definitely going to be a, a future F1 champion, and that is their ambition with them. He's not there yet. He is not at that pace yet. Um, it doesn't mean he's a terrible driver, but if you put Colchester United into the Premier League, Colchester United is still a magnificent footballing outfit. 
used to playing in tight, confined spaces, and all their fans are interesting, informed, intelligent, and handsome. However, if they went into the Premier League, they'd finish 20th and be demoted. I think the Stroll family and, and Project Lance Stroll are smart enough to know that Lance loses against pretty much every F1 driver combination. So any team he's in, maybe apart from Latifi at the moment, he's going to lose that battle. They know that. So bringing a four-time world champion in to, uh, to, for him to learn from. And he is in the position now, Stroll, where with some improvement, he can play a really good supporting role for Vettel. So he can be in the pit window. He can uh, be right up there. He can give useful information. He can be the alternate strategy and benefit if conditions change. So yeah, no, no I'm not laughing at you, uh, at you at all, Matt. I think, that, I think you're absolutely right there. Yeah, and I think I have to go with the other one would have to be um, Hamilton and Botas because mm. they may not be the fastest, but they have a very good track record yeah. of working together at the team. It's just I'm not convinced anyone told Botas that that was his role. That's the only yeah, I that's the only issue I, I have there. Like Eddie Jordan probably knew that that was his role, but I don't think anyone really told Botas that that was that was his role. In any case, we are reaching the end of our time here at Missed Apex. We are trying to stick to one hour for our off-season shows. Uh, the good thing about the new stories we have lined up that we've never got to today is that we have plenty of time to discuss them. And as I said, we're trying to bring you interesting people uh, to keep you entertained, to keep you company. I understand that for most people, we're kind of background listening. Put us on while you do your commute or you're mowing the lawn or just doing some other terrible task like parenting and you just want something to distract you in the background that's fine we've got you covered for off-season content we're going to keep going with that and if we don't have a guest lined up we'll just sit here and have discussions led by your questions like we have had uh today as well uh, we have got questions from akram and brian that we didn't get to today but we're saving those in the bank for next week as well we have loads of topics we didn't get to today like the ferrari tests lots of stuff coming out the ferrari camp um, our Alpha Tori with Sonoda and Gasly, lots of stuff uh, coming out from that. The chat room have just informed us that Gasly has tested positive for COVID. He's put that on his Instagram. So all the best to Gasly, and I hope he can recover from that very quickly um, and get on with it. And um, to you out there, I hope you can stay safe. The the light is at the end of the tunnel. We've just got a little way to go, and you've got to look after your your health, your mental health. Learn a new thing. Learn knitting. Make phone calls. Call people. Pick up your phone, press the video call button, speak to people, speak to your friends out there. In the normal times, a phone call is considered borderline harassment. In these times, I think people want to hear from you. And we've loved hearing from Catman. Uh, Catman, where can we follow your stuff online? Uh, you can just follow me at CatmanF1. Uh, I'm pretty much exclusively Missed Apex these days. Um, so I just tend to make uh, off-topic sarcastic responses to people on Twitter. So uh, join me there. Yeah, you're just Mr. Apex. We own you now. You're us. What about the Helmet Club? Oh, the Helmet Club is there. It's all good. Um, you know, we uh, when when real racing gets going again, we'll be uh, we'll be ripping it up on the uh, Mr. Apex karting uh, events, and uh, you know, occasionally we'll do the uh, kind of the eye racing and stuff. But you know, I, I'm really happy doing my commentary gig. I, I absolutely love being in the box with Chris Stevens uh, on our Mist Apex eye racing series. So uh, definitely catches there as well. You are a nice man. You have a nice family and you're from a nice family. I, I'm just going to embarrass you for a second because I, I never buy anyone a Christmas present at all. You bought me a Christmas present. You sent it to me in the post and you wrote me a letter. Like who 
does that? My goodness. You just wrote me a letter which was very encouraging, saying that I should keep doing what I'm doing and, and your perspective on what I was doing. And you bought me one of those quarter scale Lewis Hamilton helmets, which now has pride, pride of place on my ornament shelf. You have one as well. Oh, you have several of those as well. Um, you you nearly brought me to tears. You're a very nice person and my family really appreciated that as well. So, so thank you, you ridiculously nice git. Oh, that's very kind of you. Uh, it's it's one of those things Kind of where... me. Stop being nice. No, it's kind of you. You sent me the thing. Uh, I think people need to be recognised for the, the good job that they do and uh, when they actually take the time to uh, speak out against things, which is which is very hard to do, particularly in a public forum. So stopped me. I was going to try not to make you cry for the end of the, uh, the, the episode. So uh, it was just a, a little token of our appreciation, Spanners. It, it hit home. Uh, thank you very much. And also, it is a very cool uh, replica helmet of Lewis Hamilton's uh, race helmet as well. Matt Trumpets, you didn't get me anything for Christmas. No, but you didn't <laughs> get me anything either, so I, I feel like that's fair. I nearly did. I nearly did, but then I didn't. I was, I was so close, but sending stuff to the USM is actually really difficult. I had no idea. Yeah. It was going to cost me like 50 quid to, to do my idea, but I, in the end, I just didn't do anything. But that's fine. I don't mind. If we have a relationship that is built on never getting each other anything, I think we can get to the end of our natural lives happy like that. Yeah, I think we can settle for buying each other beers when we meet in yeah, person, yeah. and that's that's awesome. All right, we'll get our round in at the Missed Apex Carting. You can be followed on Twitter. Uh, boy, boy, you're a different creature on Twitter than you are on Missed Apex Podcast. My goodness, at MattPT55, you're all a proper like, Rah! and another thing. Well, and here's interesting science thing. And no, look, cats. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cats. You no, get the full true. panoply uh, of my eclectic taste if you choose to follow me on Twitter. Go into that the show notes. Argued. Go into the show notes now. Go into your podcast show notes or the YouTube uh, description and find Matt's article that he wrote for the F1 subreddit. Matt is part of the F1 subreddit editorial team. And we're hoping to get the F1 subreddit editor, Flip, uh, to come uh, Flip Jakobsen to come uh, onto the show again. Uh, he was uh, brilliant, actually, when he came on, and it was wonderful to have some representation from from Brazil, from Brazilian F1 fans too. So go and check out that link. Check out Matt's wife. Oh wait, wait, no, no. That check sounded. Out... Yep, I heard it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I heard it. It wasn't yeah. good. Go and check out Matt's wife's work by following at a Weaver Writes on Twitter. She writes books, and I want you to buy those books rather than check her out in a pervy way. Is that better? Did I save that at all? No, um, not really. Sure, why not? What the heck? And tell you what, if you like listening to me, and some people, believe it or not, some people do, uh, you can listen to me and Matt on Remain Indoors podcast. Search for Remain Indoors podcast on your podcast player. We're on YouTube as well. Um, you can watch us live. We stream live 2 p.m. on Tuesdays. I think that is some of our best conversations that me and Matt have, but it's far too broad uh, 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 a podcast in that we will cover any topic we have a range of guests from different expertise uh, segments we don't have a niche uh, but it's always an interesting conversation and the audience we built in march at the start of the lockdown for remain indoors podcast i think we pretty much have that exact same audience now uh, but come and join us come and come and join us for a more relaxed more varied conversation and if you would like to hear me and the odd guest talking about uh, literally anything with some 90s music in the background, a radio-style show. If you're a Spotify customer, 
If you stream your music from Spotify, check out Spanners 90s Radio on Spotify. And if you're a sim racer, check out our brand new podcast four episodes in. And we've had amazing feedback from that is the Missed Apex iRacing podcast. Follow that on Twitter at iRacing podcast. But we do give out one award on these normal, normal shows. And that is for our chat room participants. Comment of the week. Matt, you give us some nominations, and Catman, you are our judge for comment of the week. Right. So this is going to be kind of challenging, but I will try and keep it down to 13 or 14. This is why everyone hates you. Yes, I know. Um, first of all, we'll, we'll go with Stuart Neal. Everyone will be green with envy about the Aston Martins this year. That's no, that I, I like oh. Stuart because he is personal friends with the Queen. But no, that's, that is just, that's, is that even a pun? Oh, Stuart, I do love a good pun. So you're getting, you're doing good so far. Carry on, Matt. All right. Um, And now, but he did have an, he did have a couple of others, but I I chose that one to go with. I'll share the others later. Um, Tony Hawk. He's been, goes Goes with. The Tony Hawk. I don't know, but you know, there's a whole thing about Tony Hawk being, told that he looks like tony hawk when he's in airports and doing the shopping and whatnot and he's like oh that tony hawk yeah no, let's I know just assume it's skateboard legend tony hawk goes with what is formula e is that what northerners call formula one now i don't know if that will get me in trouble or not but i figured it would make you laugh so i've read it we're not northernist we've got northern friends uh we didn't get to that story did we but um that's quite funny but also offensive so no okay fine um, Dadster goes with from Toro Rosso to Harrow Lasso, referencing our friend Vettel's new look. Stop bald shaming, all right? I am on very, very uh, fragile ground here. And I think we will finish up with our friend Martin Dooley saying, stop saying logical thinking. This is F1. Nice. Catman, you are judge, jury, and executioner. Well, considering Spanners got rid of most of the options by ridiculing them. So I'm yeah. going to go for Stuart Neal oh. because of the wonderful pun. I know Spanners absolutely loves a pun. Comment of the week. Thank you for tuning in to Miss Apex podcast. Congratulations to Stuart Neal for winning comment of the week. Please do go and follow my panel at CatmanF1 on Twitter, at MattPT. 55 on twitter follow me at spanners ready i'm the best one or the show at mr apex f1 uh, we'll probably see you next sunday 8 p.m gmt utc why not join us there wherever we see you next work hard be kind and have fun this was mr apex it's a podcast it's like radio kind of with less people listen to it but it's less glamorous and it pays less but apart from that, it's almost exactly like uh, like radio. We're basically radio, guys. Yeah, and we've got a uh, an old married couple on as well. Oh, you didn't send me a Christmas present. <laughs> oh, it was too expensive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you live far away. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard. That man relationships are hard. Like what you did to just go like send a gift to another dude at Christmas like that is like a really like that's like a, I don't know if you often do that but that like struck me as like wow 
that's a thing that would never really occur. It sort of occurred that the measure of how much I think of Matt and how close we are is that I nearly bought him a Christmas present. Like I thought about it and that was quite close. But, you know, it's quite a hard like dude thing to do. No, yeah. truthfully, I would have just bought it from Amazon in the UK and had it delivered to you. No, but I, I had a thing here, which I was like, I have this thing oh, here. Instead right. of sending it, selling it on eBay, I could send it to you. But it just made, right. it made no economical sense whatsoever. And no. I'm not going to tell you what it was, because then you'd be like, oh, bugger. No, but yeah, but it was, it was a, we rotate eBay things all the time. Like we will buy stock, uh, we'll buy equipment, upgrade, sell the old thing. Like we're, we're pretty good at, at doing that. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.